There is no missionary uh, from out of town today. We've had our share, and God be praised and God be thanked for these dear folks. Um, one of these years, it would be great to put together a missions conference. Uh, you know, typically here in Fallon, we kind of think, well, we, we just don't get them consistently coming in, you know. And here's this summer, 2013, and it's like, boom, 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 one after the other. It's great. Please uh, just keep them in your prayers, uh, those that, you know, we uh, have had here this summer. Just keep them in your prayers, asking God to help them, especially, I think, of Jason and Angie in this new transition for them as they start in uh, Clarkston, Georgia. Okay, so... We pick it up again with our study. And this morning, the title that I've given this, you can see it in your bulletin, the outline there, uh, is Recovering Genuine Gospel Ministry. Now, uh, Brennan and I spent a couple of messages talking about foundational issues about discipleship. Uh, we talked about Matthew 6.33, very simply, a very familiar verse. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, that's for a disciple. Okay? And then um, we talked about Luke 9.23. Uh, to come after me, Jesus, one must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus, follow him. Brennan then uh, spoke on the end of chapter nine of Luke chapter nine, talking about the, the count, uh, 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 consider the cost of discipleship, counting that cost. Uh, is there sacrifice? Is there a sense of urgency that we have about following Jesus? Is there that commitment day in, day out? Do we have that? Are we submitting to him in those kind of ways? Um, are we picking up and you know, after a stumble and a fall, picking up and following him again in that course of direction for your life? Does he take priority? Do you put your hand to the plow? And which way are you looking when you put your hand to the plow? Jesus warned against putting your hand to the plow and looking back. Put your hand to the plow and look forward. Look Look to Him. Align yourself with, with Jesus, our Savior. So those are things that we tried to develop over a couple of uh, different messages earlier this summer. And that brings us to that discipleship leads to genuine gospel ministry. I say that, you know, we want to... This title, Recovering Genuine Gospel Ministry, it, there's a reason for it. And the reason is... Churches, especially traditional churches, and I would say we uh, fall into that category. We're a traditional kind of a church. It might be that you don't like all the songs that we choose or whatever. Or maybe you love all the songs we choose. I, but traditional-wise, we're, we're, we're kind of a traditional church. And here's, here's the thing. We can fall into traps. And we call something ministry... And it might not be ministry. So we have to, as leaders and as a people, we want to help train the people to have discerning eyes for what 
What's really ministry? Ministry is or ought to be the outflow of love to Jesus, of service to Jesus. Who's the head of this body? It's Woody, right? Woody's the, it's Woody's church or it's so-and-so's. No, 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 no. We, we need to re- be reminding ourselves with each other that this is the body of Christ located in Fallon, America. Got it? It's the, it's the body of Christ and Christ is the head of the church. And if the leaders aren't doing their job, we need to talk to the leaders about, hey, get on track with following Jesus and pointing us to Jesus. And so this is what ministry is about. Ministry is not limited or restricted to these walls. A lot of times we think, oh, well, that's, we shouldn't do that. We should do that at the church. I got a secret for you. We don't go to church. We are the church. Okay? Remember that. We don't go to church. We are the church. And all too often we think in that way, oh, we, we go to church. And now we put our church hats on or our church glasses on and dress up. And, you know, we're, we're at church. And see, that's a false understanding of ministry. And I know a lot of different authors and preachers are saying that kind of thing nowadays. That we are the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. We gather together for worship, right? And that's what we do. That's what we're doing now. Worship in song and and praise and worship in the word. Worship in prayer. Worship with the Lord's Supper. All of that. It's worship. And what we want to do is carry that line of thinking and that way of living into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's your life. A life of worship. So don't get caught up in saying, oh, I go to church. Well, we want to invite people to church. I hope that you will take advantage of asking your friend to come to a worship service. I, I, you know, I, it's easy to slip into it and, and say, yeah, come to church. But we are the church. Here's where we meet. Okay? So, ministry is not bound or restricted to these walls. And ministry is not uh, bound or restricted to just the programs that we do. It's much bigger. Here's, here's some signs of a hurting ministry. A hurting ministry. And these are, these come from a book that the elders and uh, some of the ministry leaders have been trying to read, and that is the book called The Trellis and the Vine. The Trellis and the Vine. And um, th- some of these come from that book. Um, signs of a hurting or a hindered ministry. Here it is. When we value traditions over truth. When we value traditions over truth. And we can do that here because... There's many of you who have been here, you know, Georgia said, we've been here for 28, 30 years. There's others of you that have been here a long, long time. And so tradition, it can be a good thing, but we have to watch out that we're not valuing tradition over truth. Okay, so study the scriptures. Be like the Bereans. They heard from Paul, yet they went and they looked at the scriptures to see if these things were so. And a second one, we, when we value programs over sharing the gospel message, 
it's so much easier to say, hey, come on to our program. Come on to our event. And tell your, you know, your spouse, oh, you know, they're going to hear about Jesus. Well, yeah, that, that might be. But it'd be better if you and your spouse learned about sharing the gospel before they came to a program or event. Why? Because that's how God works. Having you and me learn how to share the gospel in an effective way and not a down your throat kind of a way, but in a way of gentleness and aligned with his truth, you know, saying this is this is what the Bible says. And I want to share this with you. This is the good news. It's good news. And so we, as God's people, if we're saying we're God's child, we need to learn how to do that, learn how to share the gospel effectively and simply and clearly. Then a third one, um, a hindered or hurting ministry is when we are simply filling gaps in ministry rather than trying to train people. It's so much easier for me as a leader to say, hey, can you do this? Hey, I want you. Uh, yeah, I'm, and I'm the pastor. You better say yes. So just jump in here and do it. So much easier. It's so much easier. But then, easier doesn't make it wise. Easier ends up being more problems down the line. So we want to learn how to train people and pass that training on to others for ministry. Why is it that we have a nursery uh, meeting and, and train nursery workers? Ah, that's nothing. Just go in there and babysit. Well, that's getting trapped in a wrong mindset for ministry. These are children. These are people in the nursery that you can minister to. How do you do that? I'd go in there and I'd just start singing songs. I'd just say, you know, let's sing about Jesus. I love that. And then there's others of you that are great storytellers. And you can go in there and tell stories about Jesus. And, and it's just, those children are going to, how'd you do, how, how'd you do that? You got those children to sit. <laughs> okay. So it's a thing of, here's what ministry is about. Not just filling a gap, but you know, we, we want to learn to train people more and more. So this kind of hindered ministry is what can happen in many, many churches across our country. And you can go to a church and, and kind of look at the schedule and say, oh, this is a good church. Why? Well, th- look at their programs. You know, this church has a wanna. Okay, thumbs up on that. You've got a wanna. You must be a good church. Not necessarily. Because are we really tracking after our Savior, the head of the body, while we do a wanna? Are we trying to disciple children? Or are we just trying to keep them busy and keep them off the streets? We need to learn to disciple. That's why we've, you know, gone this process of saying, let's talk about discipleship, laying a foundation for discipleship, count the cost, okay? Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And now we take this little turn and say, here's, here's what ministry is like. So let's look at signs of a healthy ministry. Turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we have a listing of principles for godly, scriptural, biblical kind of ministry in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul has to kind of defend himself and the ministry by others who are trying to 
cut corners by others who are claiming, oh, you don't have to do all that. You know, they want to be the legalistic ones. They want to track along with a, a, a tradition more than what Paul's doing. When Paul comes in and is ta- talking about going by God's grace, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't let them do that. But yeah, that's what Paul was wanting to do is talk about the grace of God in Jesus Christ. So here are signs of a healthy ministry. We'll try and move through these quickly. Let's read chapter 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Heavenly Father, please help us now as we look at this passage and please guide us. May your spirit rule in our hearts and lives here and help us to grow uh, in understanding and the grace of our Lord Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. So healthy sign number one, you see it in verse one, is relying on God's gifts. A healthy ministry is always relying on God's gifts. What does verse one say? Therefore, since we have this ministry, it's ours. It's a possession. And how do we get it? It's out of mercy. See that? Verse 1. We've received mercy. So here's then the ministry. I like it how uh, there's one author that put it this way. Paul had been mercified. (laughs) He had been mercified. So his ministry is, here's, it's about mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Do you appreciate mercy in your life? See, as as we gather together for worship and ministry, mercy ought to be one of the first things. Oh, wow. You know, God's mercy is so, oh my goodness, I can't live without it. You know, are we desperate for his mercy in our lives? Not just the the thing about the the close accident out on I-80 although that's important, but also about his rescuing you from the bondage of sin, not just from a close accident out on the freeway. Yes, he is sovereign. Yes, he protects and guides, but he also, here's the business of salvation and that we need to magnify that truth. Like we would say, do you know how close I was from getting hit by that 18 wheeler? You know, we talk about that. Why? Because that's a big deal. But is salvation that big of a deal to us? Is it to you? And so this is where, you know, ministry gets its start. We're excited about it. Okay, I, you know, I know that, um, you know, when I think about my, uh, my being here involved as, as pastor, 
You know, it's not that I've got this or this down or whatever, but you know what I do have? I have a love for his church. And I want to pass that along. That is important. And, it, and it's not just a random thing out there, oh, I love the church, or we got a really cool church. No, it's just that here's what God has done through salvation. And he's brought about the forgiveness of sins. He's brought about the hope of eternal life. He's brought about, you know, making sense of, you know, why am I here? And it's simply because of a simple answer. We're going to see it at the end of this passage. (laughs) So that's it. Number one, relying on God's gifts. And notice what it says at the end of verse one, that we do not lose heart. Uh, In other words, we don't give in under pressure. We keep going in ministry. Why? Because it's not about me or you. It's about his mercy. His goodness. And that's where I get strength. That's where you get strength. It's from what God has accomplished. Number two, refusing to distort God's word. Second point, ministry, healthy ministry is refusing to distort God's word. Look at verse two. But we have renounced. See that? We have renounced the things hidden because of shame. Not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. Stop right there. There's all, I mentioned this in Sunday school. There's a, a lot of people that had already stirred things up, traveling throughout the Middle East there and in the Holy Land about false teachers and what they were doing in cutting corners and not presenting the truth as Paul is explaining it here. They're doing it for profit. They're doing it for show. Now, we don't have that anymore in this day and age, right? See, that's why I say you and I need to be discerning. Especially when you say, I'm going to turn the TV on and watch a TV preacher. You need to be discerning, my friend. Most, all of them are not following healthy ministry habits right here. They're not. They're more about their own agenda, their own program. Some of them will just ignore the problem of sin. You know, I don't want to be a negative person, but you know what? When we deal with God, we've got to deal with the reality that you and I are sinners and we need a savior. And it's not just a matter of getting the ticket punched. It's a matter of now living in this way in your life, living this way that you have a savior and he's Lord. So it's a matter of refusing to distort the word of God. Notice those words there uh, that it's deception. There's there's a refusal to practice a cunning or a, um, a slyness or craftiness. We're not going to do that in the ESV version. He mentions don't tamper with the word of God. You know what that means? It's a word for don't water it down. And it's kind of from the, the, the guys on the market that sell their wine. And they water down the wine. In that day and age, that was, I think that was called cheating. (laughs) They were watering down the wine. Well, and he's saying that's what you gotta watch out for because that's what preachers can do is water down the message. Don't tamper with it. But he then says, here's where I take my stand. 
by open statement of the truth. Or, as you might be in the New, um, the New American Standard, says by the manifestation of the truth. That's what ministry needs to be about. Okay? For all to see it and recognize it. We've got to move on. Point number three is recognizing the enemy or recognizing enemy influence. Recognizing enemy influence. Look at verse three and four. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this and the better translation is age, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Well, that's Satan. He's blinded the minds of the unbelieving. What's his target? It says it right here. So that, what? They might not see the light. Well, it doesn't stop there. See the light of what? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. And he doesn't stop stop there. Because it's he's the very image of God. Now, somehow we've gotten so accustomed to these kind of things, we just kind of sit there and go, yeah, okay. <laughs> Has, and, and I know it's true of me, and it's true of a lot of us. I'm not saying every one of us, but it's true of a lot of us. We just kind of sit there and go, yeah, okay, that's cool. See, the enemy in blinding the minds of the unbelievers has really given us the key. You know what the key is? Ministry ought to be about showing forth the glory of Jesus. And we're going to see that again at the end of the passage. It's, it's about the glory of Jesus. So, but we need to recognize his work and understand that. Okay? Um, it, it's the blinding of the minds of the unbelievers. So it's about understanding. It's about mental understanding and, and recognition there. Okay? And specifically to keep them from seeing God's treasure. Satan has one simple campaign. He doesn't want people to see how glorious, how excellent, how wonderful, how awesome Jesus is. So there's our strategy, my friend. How can you and I in ministry make much of Jesus? So that the blind can understand more and more. They can hear it again and again. That's what we understand in ministry when we're talking to people that don't know the Lord. We understand it's not just one event, one deposit in their minds that will make the change. It's numerous, numerous contacts. And so the word of God is being sown in their life. And it. And you and I don't know at what point the Holy Spirit breaks in, invades the person's life and causes conviction and confession and, and faith in Jesus. Okay? So, the enemy's strategy is very simple. Just keep tricking people. Just keep devaluing Jesus. Just keep demoting him from being wonderful and and excellent. Just keep degrading him. Just dethrone him. So that 
it's like a, a bunch of dominoes. You know, just push the one domino and the next ones follow along. It's, it's so evident in our world, isn't it? What they've done with you. You know, stop and think. Why don't, I, I've said this before, why in the world don't people take the name of Allah in vain? Why don't they take Buddha's name in vain? Why? It's stuck. People will always take the name of Jesus in vain, the name of God in vain. I find that very intriguing. Not that it's good. I just find that, why not somebody else's name? If you haven't read Screwtape Letters from C.S. Lewis, I highly suggest that. It's a very interesting, intriguing book about this kind of a thing, recognizing the enemy's influence. Number four, here we go to verse five. Number four is replicating the gospel message. Replicating the gospel message. That's what healthy ministry is about. So that not just the preacher, not just the Sunday school teachers, but all believers, because all believers are what? Yeah. Disciples. You're a disciple. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are a disciple. You need to be trained. You need to be encouraged and grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But here in verse 5, I understand the context is about Paul and his ministry. So verse 5, look at it. For we do not preach ourselves. Okay? So we don't replicate ourselves We want to replicate the message of the gospel. It's not about ourselves. That's not what we proclaim. If I get up here and start talking about me, I'm in trouble. Number one, with God. And then with the leaders and the body. It's wrong. We need to preach Christ and Him crucified. It's not about our opinions. Our opinions can slip in and be taken. But you and I have to read that and recognize it. It's about, uh, you know... We don't want our, our, our opinions being proclaimed. We don't want our psychological uh, remedies and anecdotes proclaimed. We don't want... Here's all of our legal reasonings. He just says it's about one thing. Proclaim Christ as Lord. See that? We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. Study this. Evaluate this for yourselves. You see it everywhere. Man's trying to prove that he can solve the world's problems. That he can overcome without God's help. And yet the Bible is saying, here's effective ministry. We proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord. When Jesus and his gospel message is proclaimed, watch what happens. There should be, here's the... The working of the Holy Spirit, bringing about what? Conviction of sin. Okay? Here's the, the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing forth life, regeneration, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we're confronted with the gospel message, and that's good. We're confronted with the gospel message, the pending judgment of God upon sinners. And we're given the good news of Jesus' rescue work to intervene and save those who call out for his mercy. We're confronted with the empty tomb. He's risen. And it all leads to the confession that Jesus is Lord. 
There's no other name, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. Philippians 2, mark it down. Philippians 2, 8 through 11. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even I love that. He says, even death on a cross. He didn't say death. Even death on a cross. Horrific. And therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name. You get it? Jesus. And so that at the name of Jesus, not the Pope, not the prophet, not the president, but at the name of Jesus, every, every, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 1 Corinthians twelve three. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you don't just uh, rattle it off as some little remedy phrase. You say it to mean it, that he's Lord. Can you say that from your heart and mean that, that he's Lord of your life? So we must work at replicating the gospel message. And listen, folks, (laughs) he goes on to finish verse five. Look at it. Here's ourselves as what? Your servants for Jesus' sake. And you know what? Um, I love baseball like most uh, all you guys, you know, and some of you ladies love baseball. You know, um, when you, you swing and hit that ball or golf, when you hit the ball in golf, you, I rarely hit the ball just right. I don't play baseball, but I like baseball. Anyway, the, the issue of a golf swing, you hit the ball and you know when you've hit the sweet spot. It doesn't swerve or hook or slice or anything else. It doesn't knuckle even. It just goes. And you know what? This is the sweet spot for you and me. Here's the sweet spot and your cell and ourselves as your bond servants for Jesus sake. See, all too often there's the effort to, uh, I, I want my own agenda. I want to do my own thing. I'm going to take charge. No, this is the, this is the sweet spot for the Christian life that you are seeing yourself as a servant, a bond servant for Jesus sake. You do all things for his sake. Got to move on. Number five. Number five. I want to read this verse. Verse six. Let's look at it. Verse six. Follow along, please. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Where did he say that? God said this? Yeah. In Genesis. (laughs) He did it. He he, He performed it. Light brought forth. At his word. Okay? 
light shall shine out of darkness. He's the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So point number five is, and I've got a, a bunch of words here rattling through my brain. I say this not to be offensive at all, but it's to try to get our minds around this idea. Number five is reveling, reveling in the glory of God. Reveling uh, tends to be, uh, oh, you mean a big college party or something. They're reveling. or No, I mean just rejoicing purely, thoroughly rejoicing in the glory of God. Now, I put down on this point in your outline, chapter 3, verse 18. Go back and look at that. Last verse in chapter 3. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in this same image from glory to glory. Degrees, if you will. Degrees of glory. Glory to glory. Just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This is the work of transformation. It's not just a matter of filing away facts. You and I need to learn more and more of the Word of God and the ways of God so that there'll be transformation in our lives. So that we'll look more and more like we've spent time in front of the mirror. There's times where you show up somewhere and, it, and people look at you like, uh, you need to go to the mirror and kind of look things over here. You're, you got stuff on your face or your hair's a mess. Well, I'm talking about the mirror of Jesus. You're beholding Jesus. You're beholding him in the mirror of God's word. And the more that we do that, the more that we grow in that way, the more that we'll look like Jesus Think like Jesus. Talk like he would have talked. Respond like he would respond. That's ministry. You get that? That's what we want to be about here at Parkside. Not just to be coming and sitting in the pew. And I know, I, you know, just to say, you know, there's many of you who are doing more than just sitting in the pew. I understand that. But we've got to understand more about what this is about. Point number five is not just um, reveling. I would even add it's relishing, relishing the glory of God. Because why? There's no greater treasure than him. Is there any name above Jesus? Is there any treasure above Jesus? There isn't. And see, right away, I, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, and you've got to work on that too. I haven't arrived. No one has, but we keep marching. We keep going in this direction. What's so glorious about Jesus? Can you, in your time, maybe this afternoon, can you just talk about it with somebody? What's so glorious about Jesus? What's the big deal? And you know what the problem is? And I'm guilty just like the next guy. I can talk about what's so great about such and such a player. Uh, such and such a golfer, such and such a, a music personality. I mean, 
why is it that we get so locked in on these other people? It, you know, I've said it before. We want to make heroes out of these people. And they're just people like you and me. And we don't make a hero out of Jesus enough. And it's not just, not just simple things of, well, he died on the cross for our sins. We kind of say that like, eh, okay, yeah, I got that. Move on. What's next? No, we need to let that sink in. Let it sink in and let it affect our worship. Let it affect our ministry. I've got a quote here for you. I want you to fill it in. It's from John Piper. He said in one of his books, he said, we absorb what we admire. We absorb what we admire. I can admire a new car. (laughs) Or maybe some of you guys would say, I'd I'd rather admire a new truck. You know, with all the bells and whistles. We can admire all sorts of things. All sorts of people. And yet, our ministry is weak and hurting because we do not admire Jesus like we should be. We don't lift him up enough. And I want it to be, I want it to be more. I want it, I want to encourage us in this way. So, uh, Piper goes on to say this, a long looking with admiration, a long looking at, with admiration produces change. Just like if you go out on a hot summer day and just stare at the sun, well, it's going to produce some change. And so, the flip side is this. If we neglect the glory of God in Christ, how excellent Jesus is, how wonderful, amazing Jesus is, if we neglect that, what are we doing to our ministry? We're undermining it. We're making it weak. And so whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, whatever the pressure, whatever the difficulty, we can view it as an opportunity for ministry. It doesn't mean I've got, oh, I've got to go get my Iwana shirt on before I minister. Or I've got to be in the, in the hut with the kids before I minister. No, we're ministering all the time. There's always opportunity. Always. It's just right underneath our nose so much of the time. And you and I can be ready with the hope that we have in Jesus. So remember, ministry is not restricted to or bound by a building or by programs. So listen, as we finish, I just encourage you and myself, let's go and bless others because of the life flowing through you. That's what you and I are about. The life that we say we have in Jesus isn't to stop here. I don't just receive the life of Jesus and then it just stops with me. I'm supposed to be a conduit, aren't I? You're supposed to be a conduit. Where you're just like that open channel. And the life comes as you spend time in the Word beholding a perfect, excellent, wonderful, worthy Savior. You're, You're now having that life flow through you. And as that flows through you, that conduit is going to light up in a good way, (laughs) not in a bad way, in a good way. That conduit will light up. 
But if not, you know what you'll be like? Let me put it this way. You'll be like the 405 freeway in Los Angeles at rush hour traffic. 405 freeway is one of the worst in the world of congestion. You want to be like that in in service for Jesus? I don't think so. There's all sorts of stuff to clutter up our lives. And let's get into a place where we understand, you know what? I'm... I need to be like an empty vessel, a a little clay pot, a clay vessel. That's what he goes on to talk about in in chapter 4. We're just clay pots. Be the clay pot. Let him shine through you. And here's an acrostic to finish. Go out and be a blessing to others. B, begin with prayer. I'm talking about like times with your neighbors, your friends at work, time with others out wherever you go. Begin with prayer or bathe it in prayer. Then letter L. Listen. Listen to people. I'm a bad example a lot of times. A lot of times you can come up to me and I'm, I'm standing there looking at you and I've got you know, five things going on in my mind. And she has been so faithful in hanging with me in this. <laughs> but you know what? The, um, be a good listener with other people wherever you are. They'll know. They'll know that you listened. By the way, this is from Verge Network. They're, um, a bunch of their material that uh, is on the internet. Verge Network. Um, so listen. Then letter E is eat a meal. And what he means by that is go and enjoy time with them. Go and enjoy time with an unbeliever. Letter S, the first one is go, then you've listened, you've spent time with them, now learn to serve them. Learn how you can serve them for Jesus' sake. And then the final one, the final S is story. Are you ready with the story of redemption to share with them? And you know what? You're a minister for Jesus when you, just following this simple little thing. And it doesn't need to be a a high-powered type of plan. It's something just so simple. You can do it with your neighbor. You can do it with someone at work. But let's be ministers. Let's be faithful to our Savior. He's given us so much. Let's pray. Thank you, dear God, for our time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for you, Lord Jesus. How excellent you are. And I pray that we would learn more and more about your excellencies. About how worthy you are. To accumulate a list that grows and grows more and more to magnify our Savior. Help us to do that, Lord. May we be a people of praise. That we're quick to give you praise. Lord, we want to respond to this message, and I pray that you would help us in that way, empower us by your Spirit. Um, And may this afternoon be a time where we can say, you know, I saw God work. I saw God work in this little encounter with someone. May this be so. To you, O faithful God, the rock of our salvation, the cornerstone, we praise you. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. God bless.